Let's Talk Therapy with Leanne Lynch and Megan Clinton. We are so happy to have you here with us. In our podcast, we talk about mothering and life and the healing gifts both bring. This podcast is about using the tools of therapy to lead an authentic life. You're here with Leanne Lynch and Megan Clinton. <laughs> Welcome back. We're so excited to be back here again. Yes, yes. We were just talking, well, talking about what we were going to talk about. And somehow it seemed like it might be really useful almost to talk about our process of coming up with our podcast, deciding how we were going to work. Because there's been something, I don't know about Julianne, but very powerful for me in terms of being able to do something with somebody else in a deeply connected, authentic way to be able to communicate exactly what I'm feeling and thinking and have that held as, as we've worked together. It's been really beautiful. Yeah, it's the same for me, Megan. Um, this, been, this has been a huge healing relationship for me um, as well. And, and the process in working together, um, you know, because my relationships in the past have been very much um, around the old paradigm of power and control, where I move from a place of either power or a move to powerlessness. And it's that kind of the attachment, that enmeshment relationship, that that was the foundation for my relationships in the past. So, so with you in this process, it's been really, really healing to, to stay connected to who I am, my needs, my wants, and my natural rhythm. And it has been, we've really taken our time with this, haven't we, Meg? And we've mm. really, you know, um, allowed it to unfold naturally. Um, because there is no race there is no you know when we're in this journey it is a journey isn't it there is no end to it is and it is really trusting in the divine timing or trusting in your respecting your natural rhythm and also my natural rhythm around and finding a way to meet each other in in the middle Mm, yeah I love that it's so beautiful it is it's you know when we come from a place of trauma that it can be so easy just to get caught up in the doing, using a protection process where we kind of do and do, and we kind of lose the being, the kind of really being able to stay with. And what I found so beautiful in us coming to this process together is being able to say the things that I wasn't necessarily able to say when I was younger and have them heard. So the times that I've gone, oh, I don't know if I want to do it that way or oh, that doesn't feel that comfortable. And when I was younger, I know I would so often sort of retroflect that and I would push them down. And here to have this really reparative experience of being able to instead communicate it and even have the fears around communicating it be held at the same time as what I'm actually even saying. It's just been deeply deeply healing and beautiful process 
Yeah, I love that. And it is that staying connected to who you are as a separate um, whole person with your own history, with your own experience, with your own desires and, and, and bringing all of that to, um, to the, our relationship, um, I suppose. And, you know, it is that healing around, it is healing around that right and wrong as well, isn't it? That right and wrong, good versus bad, and, and really staying connected with our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. it is because there's so many judgments you know depending on how we were treated when we were younger there are some aspects of us that were celebrated and really encouraged and other aspects that so often were made wrong or criticized or shamed or we felt guilty about and then it's really that powerful healing process starts to take place when those bits that we don't show that we've kind of hidden or made smaller or suppressed, when we can actually start to bring those back out into the world, we can kind of, it's healing and healing in a kind of really holistic sense of kind of integrating all those disowned parts of ourselves. And there is there so much power in bringing more authenticity in terms of being able to communicate, communicate those parts where there's real fear um, because they weren't held by our parents for a variety of different reasons. So, you know, as we all know, it's all passed down from our lineage and, you know, those parts weren't accepted by their parents and, and so it goes on. And when we kind of really come into this place of authenticity and healing and listening we've kind of really the first generation potentially that's kind of held a lot of this pain and hurt and I'm just so aware in my own healing how it can feel like so much and it's because it's not only mine it's actually also my lineages as well and sometimes the pain doesn't even I can't pinpoint where exactly it came from because it didn't necessarily always come from me so it's like this it all lands in our lap and it takes enormous courage to actually you know choose to I think it's who said it's Terry Real who says I don't know if I'll get this quote correctly but he was saying you know um, trauma is like a fire raging through a forest and when we are the person who turns around and faces the flames and heals. We send ripples back through the lineage of healing and we spare the generations to come. And I know he says it a lot more eloquently, but it was, I found it profoundly touching. Yes, I definitely really relate to you in, in, in what you're saying, because I find that the feelings that are coming up from me are quite strong and, and it's quite painful because it's not just mine, it is my ancestors, it is the, mm. it is the family history coming down where I'm the one to feel it. And, and again, you know, it, it, you know, it is important to say that, you know, that some of this is passed on from our parents. It's not, it's, but it's because of the evolution. Like I have so much respect for my own parents, for my grandparents, for where they have brought me because I'm the one that's at this amazing point in in the family history where I get to be the one to heal because it takes you've got to meet the basic needs you've got to 
be have have your foods and clothing and education and all of that needs met in order to to get to the detail that emotional needs and the loss of that was experienced by not just me but my parents and my ancestors all down the line so it is true the evolution and through the amazing work that my my family did to get to get for me to be in this privileged position even though it's very painful but it is a huge honor to be the one to to make those changes to for the for the futures ahead to clear the the trauma to clear all of that pain from my family line and to change the the future for for my kids and it's also really difficult because you're going against the norm, really. You're going against the norm of society. You're going against the norm of your family. You've got to do things really differently. So it is really courageous and scary all at the same time and very painful. And it's so undervalued as well, Megan, because what we're doing is we're being, we're healing, we're feeling. We're not in the doing. We're moving away from the doing. We're moving away from conforming. We're move, We're breaking the rules. We're... we're um, how do you say we're, we're rocking rocking the boat so we're sending ripples for all because it impacts like for my for my healing has impacted all of my family all of my siblings as well because when I change I change something for them and you know regardless if they don't do the work or, or they do do the work there's still an impact from me moving out into my own space do you find mm -hmm. that too Oh, I love what you've said in terms of, yes, because there were two things I wanted to respond to. And one was, it was just so beautiful listening to you really celebrating, you know, your family and how it is because of them and all the physical labor, whatever they did, that your basic needs are met, that you're in a place of privilege, that you are able to actually now do the healing for everybody because they've helped you get to that place. And I think that is, it's such a beautiful recognition of, of you know, where we are and the spaciousness really that we have to actually heal as well. So I, yeah, I found that really touching. Thank you for sharing it like that. Yeah. And there was something else you were going to say, but it now <laughs> it escapes me. Um, I'm sure it'll come back, um, but I don't. Oh, I can't connect it in the moment. <laughs> oh, I love the way you're able oh. to, to hear what I'm saying, though, and I think I'm really. Um, I really value that in you, the way that you understand and you can you're able to connect and the depth of 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 where you meet me. Um, you know, because that's been so beneficial for me and um, how you hear and the detail of what you actually pick up. But I did want to also mention that it's that in the process of a relationship, but also for me was the healing of the feminine, you know, because I have sisters and my mother comes from a big family of sisters. And I think it's in our culture as well that women have been, um, you know, what's the word, forced in a way to compete with one another. And we are not, you cannot be in competition with someone who's so unique and so profoundly different. And I think the more um, authentic I become and the more me I become, it's so clear how different then than I am to you or I am to anybody else. And so that 
so we're we're moving into this kind of cheerleading position moving away from that you know competition of the feminine and and bringing in that kind of love for each other and that respect for each other Hmm. yeah I love that it's just you know you were saying and I remember it now I just had this image and I've had it sort of described similarly but I was just you know as we kind of almost raise the ocean because of the healing that we do all the boats in it rise with us and you're like as you're doing the healing it's impacting your family and I think that's so true is that you know when you're talking about competition and women competing with one another it's a different perspective when we look at it when we heal we heal for everybody around us um and you know we all get to rise and it's like it's almost respecting that you know as we individuate because we are all completely different people as you're saying so beautifully you know as we individuate actually celebrating that difference and acknowledging its role in in how we all get to rise together in a way yeah the celebration that's what i love and and because we've come from this paradigm where women and sisters again you know it's part of in our families and our culture where our parents might have valued something more in another person um, and you see that's been celebrated um, and you want to be like that, you know, it's, it's quite a, you saw how successful that person was. And I you know for me anyway, um, I'm waffling here, but I'm going to get to my point. I remember, particularly as a teenager, but I remember specific times in my life when I saw different types of behaviors that were actually, so, that worked, were so successful in, in the, my siblings or my cousins or the, the children around me or the young people around me and how they were able to navigate the world and, and how they were able to get their needs met from the adults or from, or from other people as well. That sense of love, acceptance, belonging, attention. And, and I saw what they had to do in order to, to get those needs. And in those moments, I chose to become somebody else I chose to I chose belonging and acceptance and love over my own authenticity and and again it's that it's that where where my my sense of survival was dependent on the outside world and and so because of that I gave up on myself I gave up on who I really was and it's really taken me a journey to and that the journey continues to to discover who I am claiming myself back more and more Mm. and it is it's just that you know as children our survival is dependent on being connected to our parents and if there's a part of them that doesn't like or can't relate to a part of us in order to survive in order to stay connected with them we disown that part of ourselves because it's potentially has the it can potentially decrease the um, connection. It can cause a rupture between our parents and ourselves. When we're little, we can't survive without our parents. So it makes so much sense. And then those protection processes that we developed when we were younger, then as we become adults, they might not serve us any longer. And yet when we try and change them, 
all those fears and all that pain that was involved when we were younger comes up to be beautifully heard and healed and integrated so that you know that being authentic just being able to say something that you were shamed about when you were younger now to say it as an adult that same shame comes up and I think for me that's been so beautiful and us bringing this podcast into being is to be able to really those parts that have really got stuck um those parts of my voice that I haven't been able to say, haven't been able to share, finally being able to say it and go, actually, it, it wasn't as life-threatening once I said it as I imagined because the fear is so associated with such a young part in myself that doesn't have the capacity I have as an adult now. So it becomes quite a that sort of holding the little part of me and communicating it to you with that little part's fear. So it's a really young, immature fear um, that then gets to be held by me and then heard by you. And it's been incredibly healing. That's found it quite, yeah, quite yeah. amazing. Oh, Thank I you. Love, oh, I love that, mm. Megan. Yes. Mm. So, um, you know, sometimes we don't actually understand what it is, what we're feeling. And, you know, these these feelings come up and, and are judged or minimized or, you know, you know, we might even label them childish, you know, yes. or, or making a big deal out of something. But in fact, it is those younger parts of us. Mm. It is because of your safety, because you're safe now as an adult that these parts are able to come up and allowed to to be felt and the fear that you feel is that protection isn't it the fear that you feel though um, is a protection and the shame as well that that it kind of keeps it you know for me fear and shame they're they're two amazing feelings that will keep you running from your body when in fact it is facing those really uncomfortable feelings that that lead to the healing and lead to the freedom but it is those those younger parts of us that have a chance to come up and um, will remain in the body. They remain alive in the body until they have a chance to to come up and be heard and be healed and and repair and change. And the person that that happens with is um, is important too. That safety with that person, the connection, and you know, for me, this this relationship with with you, the process with you, has been huge, hugely healing for me as well. And I'm so grateful to you too. <laughs> ah, so wonderful, lovely. Yeah, it is. It's it's so interesting because, as you say, when we sort of run from that shame or the guilt or the fear or anxiety you know those feelings were almost unbearable as a child because we we needed to be in connection in order to have those intense feelings held and when there was no connection there to hold them it's like we have like an immature kind of part of ourselves still trying to hold those in a way and it's when we can bring in our kind of adult capacity and hearing to be able to be with those younger parts and often it requires that there is another person it's in relation you know so often when these hurts occurred there was a lack of connection and a lack of safety and then when a therapist or a listening partner or empathy buddy or something's able to be there that rupture gets repaired because it's in connection so that it's providing that safety especially for those younger parts that 
didn't get to experience it. Yes. And here's where you then change the begin to change the relationship with yourself then because mm. internalize what your your other what this person gives to you is this um, compassion and empathy and uh, and what you're feeling is real and it's okay and you begin to internalize that so then you develop this for me it's like an inner therapist or an inner mm. inner friend that you when the feelings come up then from the younger parts that you do develop this capacity to be able to listen to them yourself and to give yourself the permission to feel and to give yourself the compassion and the love that these are and embracing them. Um, but it does sometimes take that, that connection, that, that other person for you to be able to, to internalize this new relationship that you have with yourself. Hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Cause it, it is, it is exactly like that because we as, when as children, we internalize how we are responded to by our parents and then that becomes our own internal dialogue with the world and then when we get to work with the therapist that dialogue gets to be transformed to one of empathy and compassion and love and as you say the more we receive that we actually it, our internal voice gets transformed from one of kind of you know shaming and guilting and harshness to one of love and empathy and as you say eventually we kind of internalize our own intern we become our own internal therapist I love that yeah 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 it's amazing and I love that yeah it's, it's that harsh inner critic and you know for me this harsh inner critic you know I have this I have a name on my harsh inner critic actually and um he's 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 an old man <laughs> <laughs> So he doesn't have much power anymore but when he comes up like I, I have this image and this visual image like oh there's the there's the angry old man but you know for now I'm able to laugh at him but this he was you know big and angry <clears throat> at the beginning of my journey and it's this it's the, the patriarch isn't it it's, it's we've all internalized this kind of this uh you know they they call it um toxic masculinity now <laughs> but I have this image like this it's just he's just an old angry man now and he has no power or no <laughs> nothing mm. anymore <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah I can remember in my training a while ago now but um one is when we were um talking about the inner critics at one stage and I could remember one of our lecturers you know he was just like well you tell him or her or whoever it is you know just f off kind of thing and yes we were all a bit shocked I can remember at the time and it was just like it's just an unhelpful voice just let it go and I think I've changed my perspective now because I think that voice is actually part of the process telling it to go away is kind of almost taking us into a cognitive kind of process of dialogue and it takes away almost from the the healing because that voice is the pain is the the pain that we got to experience and when we're in conversation with that voice in a kind of different way it kind of I don't know it takes us back into when we first heard it when we first were told those words that we can go and hold that little part that had that experienced and let that little part be able to 
communicate what it was like to hear it. And, and in Gestalt Psychotherapy, we talk about it as kind of, if there's unfinished business, if something happened that is unhealed, then we get to, that little child gets to go, I hate you. You said all these awful things to me and you should have loved me and it wasn't fair. And, and when they get to communicate that, then, then that healing can take place. And then that, that time can transform and kind of be integrated at a different level. Yes, because that voice has a message. Like for, yeah, for me, it has a message. And um, it is a protection as well, isn't it? It's a protection. Mm. That voice is, is, in fact, a protection. And when we actually become the observer of the voice, then we're able to listen to see what is the voice actually saying. So for me, mm -hmm. sometimes it is something from the body coming up. It's fear or it's something from the, uh, something from the body coming up. Other times... You know, sometimes it's it can be a habit as well. Like, and so it's noticing as understanding what is the message here. Do I need to say no? I'm not even listening to that. That's just crap. Or <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just a habit I'm doing. Why am I even doing that to myself? I don't do that anymore. Nice. Or is it something that's coming up to be healed? Is it something because sometimes when I go to my head, um, it is actually because there's something coming up in my body that's actually too painful for me mm. to be with so I've gone to my head instead so it is that it's mm. it's it's using it it's embracing that voice it's noticing becoming aware and becoming the observer and facing it all and that's exactly what you're saying Megan isn't it isn't that you that it is about facing it and looking at it and seeing that you know there's a reason for this and when we uncover it we get to we get to hear what it's saying and where it's coming from and, and changing the experience or, or uh, letting the voice come up around that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's lovely. And yes, there definitely are times where it's just, I hear an internal voice and it's like, no, I'm not willing to do that to myself any longer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let that go. And at other times there is, as you say, there's a beautiful message and, and a healing that can take place. And it's just that, you know, we develop these protection processes as a way of keeping ourselves safe when we were younger. And when we can really love them and acknowledge how they kept us safe, then they can be integrated. And when we push them aside too much, then um, it's like disowning part of ourselves. And it's, our body will never allow part of ourselves to be killed. So we hold on to it. Yes. Um, and when we love it and understand it and accept it, it kind of transforms and integrates in a completely different way and actually dissolves um, in a way with love rather than rejection. Yeah, I love that what you're saying. And we, I think we need to do a podcast on repression mechanisms or protective mechanisms because... I find as well that they're there for a reason, but what they do is they hold, they hold the emotion until we're actually ready to deal with it. You know, I've been noticing lately that I've been eating a lot of chocolate. I've been having a lot of fear. So I've been eating a lot of chocolate and a lot of sugar. And as the fear dissolves and diminishes, I'm beginning to be able to look at my, look at my desire for food and sugar um, and to see that it's actually connected to fear. But at the beginning, the fear is too big. So it's like it kind of holds some of that fear until I'm ready to feel the fear. 
And then that's how it dissolves for me. It's like, okay, I'm ready to deal with this right now. The fear from has has diminished, has subsided. I've worked through it. Now I'm ready to, to deal with or to feel the fear that is held with this protective mechanism. And so then it, it dissolves naturally. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've got into it, but we do. Yeah, how about our next podcast on repression mechanisms? Because this is mm, so fascinating, isn't it? Sounds juicy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have no idea how the time's progressing, lovely. Do yeah. you have a sense? I have no idea either, but I know that we're on half an hour anyway, or maybe over. Shall we wrap it up? Yes, that's been really lovely chatting today. Um, I always love where we go in our conversations. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just, I know we could keep talking, keep talking, Megan, but we we, <laughs> we finished for today and um yeah. yeah, I look forward to the next one already. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank yes. you so much. Lovely. Thank you so much. Bye everyone. Bye.